For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So says the word of the Lord in Romans 8, and so I believe it. And believing it makes us a part of the remnant of God's people that will always be, no matter what. I was 12 years old when my grandmother and I were taken into exile by the Assyrians. Or at least in my imagination, that's the way it would have played out if my grandmother and I had been in Israel in 721 B.C. instead of South Texas in 1984. Because had we been around when that happened, I would have been with her. I spent a lot of time while I was growing up with my grandmother. I loved her. She was kind of the stable person in my life, and I spent tons and tons of time with her. While my grandfather was sick and often in the hospital, I would stay with her, spend the night at her house. We would get up, go to the hospital, go visit him, wherever. But I spent, I just remember, especially getting ready for this sermon, remember spending so much time with her. And where, I'm, where I remember, you know, she was in the kitchen a lot. I would hang out with her in the kitchen, but she didn't like me in the kitchen very much. And so where I remember spending more time with her was when she was getting ready in the morning. You know, she would be sitting at this little puffy stool and a mirror, and the mirror lit up, which I thought was so cool. And she had lotion that she always used, and I kid you not, from the time I remember, earliest I remember, up until I think I may have even been in college when I realized that the lotion that she used was not called oil of old lady. (laughs) Because when I asked her, what are you putting on, to again, I didn't know the word ole, not ole, but different. Anyway, I didn't understand what that was. I thought she said it was called oil of old lady, (laughs) which made sense to me because when I was 12, when my grandfather died when I was 12 and I spent a lot of time, I actually became her traveling companion because Papa and Mama traveled a lot together and she loved to travel. So when he passed away and I spent so much time with her, I became her traveling companion. Well, During that time, you know, and she was using the oil of old lady, I was 12, that was in 1984, which would have made her, in 1984, a whopping 58. I know, that's what I thought, I was like, wow, she's been around forever. So we were, I was 13, she would have been 59, when she took me on this trip after my grandfather died. To give you an idea about my grandmother, we got on an airplane in Dallas-Fort Worth and landed in Orlando, Florida. 
It was one of the first times I'd ever flown on an airplane. And she was real big into magazines. You know, she didn't read a lot of novels because she said they'd keep her up at night. She couldn't put them down. But she liked reading things like Reader's Digest and magazines. So I remember standing at this big magazine rack. I'd never seen anything like it in DFW. Seeing this big magazine rack, she picked a couple and I picked a couple of magazines. Okay? So we get to the hotel. It's late at night. I am zonked out in bed when I hear her laughing. And I turn over. I'm 13. She's 59. I turn over and she's sitting in a chair with the light on reading Mad Magazine that I had bought, and she's over there busting out laughing. And so I said, Mama, will you please go to bed? <laughs> I'm trying to get some sleep here. It was 721 B.C. when the northern kingdom of Israel went into exile by the Assyrians. Prophets like Isaiah, Hosea, and Amos warned the people that this was a train that could not be stopped. No matter what, they were going into exile. Isaiah walked up to the pulpit one day, looked out at the crowd of people who dragged their kids to listen to him, and this is what Isaiah said to a complacent people, starting in chapter 10. Ah, you who make iniquitous decrees, who write oppressive statutes to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people their right, that widows may be your spoil, that you may make the orphans your prey. What will you do on the day of punishment in the calamity that will come from far away? To whom will you flee? For help, And where will you leave your wealth? So as not to crouch among the prisoners or fall among the slain. For all this, his anger has not turned away. His hand is stretched out still. And when Isaiah said that, the people rolled their eyes at him. Because that message was getting old. That's not us. We're not oppressive. We don't use people. God's not going to punish us. I mean, look, it's us. We're fine. Let's just go home. That is the theme of the first half of the book of Isaiah. From chapters 1 all the way to 39, it is Isaiah speaking to a people that can hear the galloping of horses, the stomping rhythm of the thud of armies over the hills not that far away. They know it's coming. But they keep telling each other, well, maybe it won't. These kinds of things don't really happen to us. Those are things that happen to other people. Well... When Assyria took captured nations into exile, just as Babylon would do with the southern kingdom, a little over a hundred years later, they had method. 
And the method was pretty much the same for an occupying nation taking over another nation and carrying the majority of them off into exile. They did it in waves. Waves, three different waves. And they, they followed this. This was kind of their way of doing things. They took people out in three waves. The first wave of people that they got rid of, that they took out, you know who it was? The young men. You know why you get rid of the young men first? They're the soldiers. They're the ones who'd been trained to fight. And so you get rid of them, it's going to make waves two and three a whole lot easier, which it did. Because the second wave that they got out were the thought leaders. Politicians, the elders, people who led thought. So that by the time they had to take the third wave of people out, the people who were left, you know who it was? Pretty much the women and children. It was the women and children who were left. And so when all of these things started happening in 721 B.C. to a people who had been warned, they were not ready. And I'm not talking about they weren't ready insofar as they weren't able to defend themselves. It's not that. No, rather they were not ready because they didn't listen to Isaiah and Hosea and Amos as well. That they forgot the big things that make the people of God the people of God, namely... Love God and love your neighbor. Maybe the most important thing that we could be doing as a church right now as we try to squint our eyes and peer into the future is to not worry about the future. For according to Jesus, the future can take care of itself. Maybe the most important thing we could do is the big thing that these early prophets like Isaiah and Hosea and Amos came and reminded the people. You talk about the future all day long. You can talk about this isn't going to happen to us all day long. Where we need to be placing our focus is on the big stuff. Love God, love your neighbor. And like the people of God who went before us, we can ask one another and discern together what exactly that's supposed to look like in Houston, in 2022, going into 2023. Because what if we're the last in line? What if we are the old women and children? What if we, now that at least it seems that a lot of Europe and the United States have moved on from God, what if we are the remnant? Not future, but today, right now. The last in line, back then in Israel during the time of Isaiah, when almost no one else was left, was the old women and children, whoever was still alive, they were taken off into exile to work menial tasks as slaves. That was me and Mamaw. But something happened along the way that we heard Isaiah say years earlier, 
and we heard it again while we were going into exile. You know what we heard while we were still going into exile? No matter how bad things get, there will always be a remnant of God's people. That may be the reason that Ambrose told Augustine very early on in Christian history when Augustine asked, which book of the Bible should I read first? Ambrose told him, Isaiah. Because it roots one of our deepest messages in the belief that no matter what, there will always be a remnant of God's people. Later in Isaiah 10, this is the story that Isaiah tells. On that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on the one who struck them, but will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. A remnant will return. The remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. For though your people Israel were like the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Destruction is decreed, overflowing with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make a full end as decreed in all the earth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who live in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians when they beat you with a rod and lift up their staff against you as the Egyptians did. For in a very little while, while my indignation will come to an end, and my anger will be directed to their destruction, the Lord of hosts will wield a whip against them as when he struck Midian at the rock of Oreb. His staff will be over the sea, and he will lift it as he did in Egypt. On that day, his burden will be removed from your shoulder and His yoke will be destroyed from your neck. Burden removed from your shoulder, yoke off your neck. You ever feel this? You ever feel these days like you're walking around with a burden? on your shoulder and a yoke around your neck? You ever feel that? Burden on your shoulder, yoke on your neck. God says, I know it feels like it'll be that way forever. Won't. No matter what, there will always be a remnant of God's people. Look, I know that this is not popular, to preach anymore. And I realize that so many people have left organized church because they've been beaten over the, the head with passages like this to scare them into submission. But I do still believe that there is a place for these prophets, a voice that still cries out in the wilderness and says a message that we really need to hear right now. Not to be beaten over the head with bad news, but instead to look around in the midst of all the bad news and say, for that, say that for those who keep saying yes to God, 
God hears your yeses. Keep saying yes to God. God hears your yeses. And that message that we really need to hear right now is that when we find ourselves surrounded by the powers that be, powers that are more concerned with staying in power than the lives of real people, those kinds of powers are not what God intended. Even while churches that we may have known for years are closing up shop, even while organized Christianity, as we have known for years, is on a steady and rapid decline, the message is that God is not going anywhere. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's the thought. Maybe where we are right now in Christianity in 2022 needed to happen. Because like the people of Isaiah and Hosea and Amos, I'm not saying us specifically, but we are a part of a bigger story. Maybe overall we got too comfortable with big buildings and big budgets and big staffs that look pretty much like every other organization out there. Maybe, just maybe, this is exactly where we're supposed to be right now. Because, humor me for a moment, what if God is calling us right now to rethink what it looks like to be the remnant of God's people for this place and this time? I have a friend that when she describes this, she says, we could spend the next 50 years of church redecorating the phone booth. But it doesn't mean that people are going to use the phone booth. So then what? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. What is God calling us to be in this place, in this time? Because this is precisely what the prophets were doing hundreds of years before Jesus. They were trying to get the people to consider what does God really want from a gathering of people who confess God. This is not the first time in history that God's people, who used to be the majority in power, found themselves in the minority of a world that really no longer cared whether they existed or not. In fact, a few hundred years after Isaiah preached to the people, something he said came to pass right there in their midst when they walked home, set free by their captives to return to the promised land and start over. One chapter after all this kind of bad news stuff that I read in chapter 10 that ends with a little bit lighter, yoke is easy, burden is light kind of language, the next chapter, in chapter 11, hundreds of years before they actually came home from exile, Isaiah handed them this to carry with them into exile so that they would have something to hold on to, around which they would be the remnant of God's people. Just from Isaiah eleven sixteen, 16, 
So there shall be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that is left of his people, as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. I'm not saying the highway is ready to travel just yet. In fact, it may still be a while. But the promise is there, just as it has always been. And nothing in 2022 can change that promise from God. Nothing. Not a thing can change that promise from God, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.